0: One for a little while because there's a lot to it, but Mark chapter 1. Now John meets Jesus. Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 4 to 11. Mark chapter 1, verses 4 to 11. I'll start reading there. <coughs> John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. We know that he didn't remit any sins. We know the water didn't remit any sins. Jesus was coming to remit sins, so he's preparing people for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of uh, of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. He preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized of John in Jordan, in the Jordan River. And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened, and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven, saying, Thou art my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. So John meets Jesus here, and the first thing I want you to understand is John and and Jesus were second cousins. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 1 says, Behold thy, the angel was speaking to Mary, and says, Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, and who was called barren. So she's, so, uh, uh, Gabriel, it's Gabriel saying, um, your cousin, Elizabeth. So Mary and and, um, uh, Elizabeth are cousins. That makes their descendants second cousins. That's what it means. So John is about six months older than Jesus, but they probably didn't spend too much time together growing up. If they did, uh, his parents never made much of who Jesus was uh, and who, John, Where I thought about it, here are two very special babies, okay? Think about it. It would have been like two homes with superheroes born in it. And, uh, I mean, honestly, you got the Son of God. Yeah, well, I've got the forerunner of the Son of God, you know. So they probably just kept it all quiet because when, when Jesus comes out of the crowd, it's like John doesn't recognize him. The Holy Spirit has to tell him, that's him. So they don't really, they haven't spent much time together. And uh, for whatever reason, we don't know. But when, when John meets Jesus in Mark chapter 1, John does not say, hey, cuz, how you doing? No, no, it's not that kind of relationship. So John acts like he doesn't even know him. And uh, which, which uh, uh, in, in, in a few minutes you're going to see where he makes much of his messiahship, not, hey, that's my cousin, okay, which would have demeaned Jesus. This was just all going to be... About Jesus, so let's let's see how John and Jesus interact when they do one day meet at the start of Jesus's ministry. So back there in verse four, notice the effect of John's preaching on all of Israel. It says verse four, John did baptize in the wilderness, and he preached the baptism of what? Right, so he called for people to repent. He called for people to come out of the crowd to get out and publicly admit that their 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 A sinner, they're wicked, and they need a savior. Good. Now that water didn't baptize, uh, didn't save them. That confession didn't save them. It it was not that was not going to save them. Jesus was going to save them. Okay. So, uh, but I want you to look at verse five. And there went out unto him how much of the land of Judea? All the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem. They were all baptized of of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. What an effect. John's preaching, that's why the Bible says God had chosen the foolishness of entertainment. Didn't say the foolishness of the music. Didn't say the, the, the foolishness of the venue. God said he uses foolish preachers in foolish preaching, preaching the gospel to save. I've been in some churches that you might consider backward or hillbilly-like or, boy, these guys aren't very intelligent. But boy, when the preaching got started and they say things and it's like farm talk and stuff, but boy, something is said and the Holy Spirit convicts your heart. And God just chooses foolish preachers foolishly preaching the gospel and people get saved. Um, I want to remember an example of somebody... Oh, I think I, I've used this illustration before. I told you that, um, uh, that parable this morning. In, um, uh, in Luke, it's, uh, he doesn't say that uh, where the third servant said, Thou art a hard man. In Luke, it says, Thou art an austere man. Who knows what austere means? Very strict, Very strict harsh. And so, he says, Thou art an austere man. Well... Um, uh, a a preacher was preaching out of that portion in in Luke uh, way back at the turn of the uh, 1900s. And he was up in in Massachusetts. And as he preached, there were some people there who were very uneducated. They'd never gone to school. And they they were oystermen. They spent their life going out of the boats. They would dive down. They would go and trap um, uh, crabs and, and lobsters and they would capture oysters. But anyway, he's hearing him and when he hears the preacher says, thou art an austere man, he thought he said thou art an oyster man. So here's the truth. He went to work the next day and he says, boys, you got to get saved. Our Lord our Lord was an oyster man. <laughs> he says, you got to come out and half of the workers, co-workers cool, came out and heard the preaching that next night and they all got saved. The point is, God uses foolish statements that you go, well, that was wrong. God still uses flawed efforts because it's preaching, and you're preaching the gospel. Um, All were drawn to hear John because John talked about men and sin. He didn't talk about ladies and their feelings, and it's not that you shouldn't be aware of that. But John said, there's a, there's a cancer in our society. There are things wrong, and there are things that has got to be gotten right. And as he preached, men stood up and said, he's right. And we need that again. Because if we cater to the children, if we cater to the, to the ladies, and we cater to everybody's feelings, the devil wins. Men need men to preach, and preach straight up, head to head, face to face, and it works They were all drawn. They were convicted. They were made guilty of their sins. And they all got baptized, publicly confessing sin, and they were ready for the Messiah to come. That's the effect of John's preaching. Now that song we read, brethren, we have met to worship. Do you know where that came from? It'll say up there, it says written in the 19th century. It's the late 1800s. And that was written in response to the fact that an evangelist, a preacher would come and would set up, a meeting hall. They would actually build a purpose-built meeting hall that would hold 5,000 people. And there was people would come to hear somebody preach the gospel. If you ever look up somebody called Billy Sunday, or um, uh, um, my brain's going dead here, but people of his time, let me just rush off to my point, and people came, and that is describing, and it became a song that was used in what are called those tent meetings, and how, brethren, we have met to worship, pray that holy manna comes down. Pray for sinners as they're coming forward. Because in those days when people preached, people got out of the chair and came forward and were bawling, crying, weeping, confessing, I need to get saved. And that song was describing, be ready to be able to help somebody get saved. And we, wouldn't it be nice to have that again? Like John the Baptist, as he stood up to the, as he, I don't know what time he started preaching, but say he started preaching at 8 a.m., his voice would bellow through the, the canyons, through the, through the, um, uh, the Jordan Valley. And as people said, he's preaching, come on, we gotta go. And people began to gather and would gather there all day long. That's awesome. I'd love to see that again. Now we meet John and we gotta look at what was John like. Look there in verse six. John was clothed with camel's hair. He didn't get too many hugs. Okay. <laughs> he was clothed, because that'd be itchy. All right? He was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins. We call it a leather girdle. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. So when you meet John, uh, and I think about this. Look at how God chooses his servants. He didn't, he didn't say... All preachers have to look like John, amen? Can you imagine if I said, Lord, I'll go preach, and I just, oh, I guess I got to go get a leather girdle and camel hair clothes, you know? No, no, God's not a cookie-cutter God. God chooses His servants. Each one has has a specific God-called job to do, and each one has a kind of different color. I went to Bible college for four years, and... What was funny is we'd have somebody in we, the, the Bible college, we'd have somebody to preach in chapel, and wow, boy, could he preach, and people were, were convicted. And then in preacher's workshop, we'd have a bunch of guys trying to preach just like that guy. And that's not what God calls us to do. God wants your color to shine through. He wants you to preach. So uh, God chooses his servants, uh, and John is a colorful guy, Okay. I mean, what is his diet? He's eating, I hope they're cooked, okay? I mean, I'm not sure he's roasting on an open fire. He's roasting um, a locust and wild honey. But John was a loner. Now, I'm not a loner. I like to work with people. I like working with the team. I'll ask people's opinions. I try to get people around me. He says, come on, let's get this job done or whatever. John was different. John was a loner. And I kind of feel for him because he had no helper in the ministry. He was unmarried. But that's what God called him to do. Does God call some people to stay single, yes or no? It's terrifying, isn't it, Gavin? God sometimes calls some people to stay single. Amen. God didn't call me to stay single. Um, but he was just like Elijah had been. If you know anything about Elijah there in 1 Kings, Elijah was called to go to the lost sheep of Israel. He faced down the false prophets. He wasn't afraid of, of the multitude of the popular religion of the day. He repaired, this is Elijah, he repaired worship. He took an altar and he restored it that had been knocked down and he repaired proper worship. And then he battled with his own discouragement, even doubt at the end of his life. And guess what? John, at the end of his life, struggles with discouragement. Art thou the one that should come or look weak for another? As I said, he ate locusts and wild honey. Locusts were desert insects but they were clean. The Bible actually said you can eat a locust. Didn't, didn't encourage me to try, but um, uh, it is an edible and a clean food source. I guess it's got protein in it. Uh, maybe he ate other things, but that was his main diet. But here's a guy, you have to admit, he's rugged. He's like Tarzan. I mean, he's wearing leather skin there, you know? Uh, and he's living out in the open. I doubt he built himself a house, I don't know what type of structure he's living in, but he's as basic and as down to earth and as rugged as you can be, and we need men like that again. We've got some posh guys who haven't gotten dirt under their fingernail one day of their life, and the only people to listen to them are effeminate men. And so this guy, you you know, you got to get over yourself gentlemen, you do not need to have everything perfect, When again, I'll use illustrations. When I was in Bible college, you think that a girl would stand in front of the mirror for a half hour. Well, I've seen some guys stand in front of the mirror for a half hour. I mean, the hair had to be straight up and back and grown, you know, uh, uh, combed over. You had to use the grease and everything. Get over yourself. Uh, men need to be men. He was also a Nazarite. Go to Luke. You're in Mark. Go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 15. Luke 1 and verse 15. That means he was set apart to God for a special purpose. And we know what that purpose was. It was to prepare Israel for the Messiah. Luke 1.15 says this, it says, For he, talking about John at his birth, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Would you agree that it's probably very wise, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to stay away from alcohol. Amen. Being not drunk with wine, we're in his exit. So in effect, all Christians are practically Nazarites. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't eat grapes. They couldn't eat grapes, even. It was forbidden for them to have anything to do with the vine. But the Bible says, be not affected by wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't ever let anything um, uh, affect your thinking. Um, And uh, uh, they talk about become under the influence of anything of this world. The only thing that should have an influence over you and me is the Holy Spirit of God. He was a Nazarite. He was also super strong-willed. You think think anybody could persuade him to change? No, 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 men are supposed to be stubborn. Men were designed by God to be stubborn, to set their course, and boy, we have, again, what's the point? John is is the example of the greatest man who's ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. So if you want to be a real man, try to be a little bit like John. You couldn't have convinced John to change, You couldn't have said, John, you offended me, and he cared one bit. Now, that's not totally right to not care that we say things that affect people, but honestly, men are too worried about political correctness. They're too worried about everybody's feelings, and it's just very important. John was super strong-willed. He knew he had a job to do, and he was going to do it. So we say hell or high water. Uh, He preached daily out in the wilderness. Now, I mean, I like preaching here on Sunday. I would preach every day if I could. I would teach the Bible every day. But out in the sun, under the sun, out in the wilderness, I mean, he's rugged. This guy is an intense man. Um, Then he pointed out Jesus at his baptism. One of the things that's very important about John's baptism was he he baptized them, getting them to repent, But that wasn't the big deal. It was always in preparation for the coming of the Messiah, which we're going to see here in just a moment. By the way, I want you to to see that Jesus' baptism was better than John's. Look at verse 7. Mark 1, back there in Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 7. If John's baptism is so great, why did Jesus have to have his own baptism? I'm not talking about being baptized. I'm talking about Jesus actually baptized, but without water Mark chapter 1, verse 7, and John preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I. What does that imply? Everybody looked at John and says, That's one tough guy. You're not going to scare him. Nobody's going going to make him worried. And John says, You think I'm tough? There's coming one mightier than I. The latchet of whose shoes, the laces of those shoes, I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Jesus' baptism was better than John's. So, let's make it very clear. There's more than one baptism. Can we agree? Come on, stay with me. We're doing a little math. There's John's baptism and then Jesus' baptism, right? So, when somebody comes up and I had this person say it to me and says, There's only one baptism. Really? Is there really only one baptism? No, uh, let's go for fun. Let's look at one baptism, Matthew chapter 20, because I'll show you there's not just two. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. Matthew 20 and verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him, and he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two young, handsome boys <laughs> may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. So what does she want? I want them to be high up in position in your kingdom. Verse 22. But Jesus answered and said, "Ye you know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be what? and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And they say unto him, what? Sure, I was baptized in water, I can get baptized again. They're thinking it's water. And they say unto him, we are able. And he saith unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand. And on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. And um, what was he speaking of when he was talking about being baptized with his baptism? His death, his burial, and his resurrection. So there's a third baptism, and that's when you're placed in the ground and you're dead. Okay? So, uh, uh, there are seven actual different baptisms in the Bible. We're not going to look at them tonight. But here are three, just so that you get awareness. No, there's not just one. There's one important one. There's only one you need to have. What is it? Holy Spirit baptism when you get saved. If any man have not the Spirit of God, the Bible says he's none of his. So you got to get the Holy Spirit to get saved. And you get the Holy Spirit when you get Christ. You actually get the Father when you get Christ, too. All right, so, to make this thing through... The disciples already were baptized by John the Baptist, and Jesus is speaking of a future baptism. He says, you're going to get baptized with the same baptism. The cup that I'm going to drink is the cup of death. So, uh, and he says, and you will, and they did. They all were martyrs, weren't they? So, let's now talk about John meeting Jesus here. Um, And um, go back to Mark. Mark. In verse 9, it says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. All right, well, uh, when, when uh, uh, go to John. Go to John chapter 1 because we'll see. The apostle John puts a little more meat on the story. <clears throat> in John chapter 1, Verse 26, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. You don't even know that he's here. He it is who coming after me, is actually preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I'm not worthy to unloose. Now These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeth who? Here comes Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. So, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, the whole reason why I am manifest, I am here, is to manifest Jesus to Israel. Therefore am I come baptized in water. John was not there to save anybody. Can you understand? What was John there? To manifest Jesus. End of story. That was his whole job. By the way, so he points out to everyone that Jesus was the Messiah. He's, going, he's actually, as we just said there in John, he pointed out Jesus was the Lamb of God. At the baptism, he'll come around and he'll say, Did you hear that voice? Did anybody hear that voice? This is the Son of God, not the Son of Mary, even though she was. And he will start to let Jesus take over. What a thing. John had the whole country in the palm of his hands. They were coming to him. I have to almost beg people to come to church. But boy, these people just came and came. They had the greatest ministry you could ever imagine. And from that moment, when Jesus stepped out of the crowd and gets baptized, from that moment, John realizes he must increase, I must decrease. What a man. So, uh, Jesus gets baptized. We, We read it there, Mark chapter 1, verse 9. And it says, and it came to pass, in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John and Jordan, and straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. Did you know John was never baptized? It's funny. John was never baptized. But Jesus was. It's kind of unusual. John was a Jew, still living under the law, the old covenant, He was the last and the final and the greatest Old Testament prophet. He did no miracle, but he's called the greatest prophet of all. Here was John doing something totally new, just so that everybody's attention would be on Jesus. So every time he got somebody wet, every time he got them out in the water, he was preparing them for remission by the Messiah. Here's Jesus being baptized. If baptism saves you, why would Jesus need to be baptized? Did you ever think of that? I mean, if I were Jesus, and the emphasis, this is where you get your sins remitted, Jesus, get in here. Can you imagine that? Does anybody get that? Is anybody following me? If by being baptized in water, if that's how you receive remission of sins, what's Jesus doing that for? It doesn't work. So, Jesus was baptized. Jesus walked right up to John and requested to be baptized of John. And... Uh, This is the great thing. Jesus is submitting to the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. What does that tell you about Jesus? That tells you he's going to keep every jot and tittle of the law and every bit of expectation of righteousness so that we don't have to. He's going to get baptized so that you don't have to. If you never got baptized one day in your life after getting saved, it's okay because Christ did. Hallelujah. If you're a A constant, and I hate saying this, but if you're a consummate liar, and you're saved, and yet everybody knows you can't trust so-and-so, Christ never told a lie so that you could still be on your way to heaven. Amen. He kept every bit of righteousness so you don't have to. So he got baptized so even you don't have to be. Now, I believe every Christian ought to get baptized. You're saved, it's time to get baptized. But you don't have to because Christ was. Amen. Did anybody wake up with that? All right, Jesus was baptized. How was he baptized? You might want to take a guess. Did John go and get some water? This is how you always find the Catholic Bibles. You'll open it up and have a a picture of John, and Jesus is standing there, and John's pouring, dribbling water on his head. Is that how he was baptized? No. No. Uh, Jesus went down and he came into the water, went down under the water, and the Bible says he straightway came back out of the water. He was baptized completely underwater because it's a picture of somebody dying, being buried, and rising again. Jesus is picturing his own death, burial, and resurrection in the baptism. Now why? Why was Jesus baptized? So that he could confess his sins? Did he do it so his sins could be remitted? Did he do it so he could repent? No. Yet that is why people said John was baptizing people. People say that John was, that's, he had to, so that people's sins could be remitted. Well, then Jesus, I guess, had to have his sins remitted, and that's not true. Go to Matthew chapter three, Matthew chapter three in verse 13. 313. I already alluded this just a moment ago, but let me just expand on it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of John. But John forbade him and stopped him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me. And Jesus answering said to him, Suffer it to be so now, for, for thus it becometh us to fulfill. All righteousness. So Jesus was fulfilling all righteous expectations so I don't have to. Should I tell the truth? Should I pay off all of my bills, never leave a bill for someone else to pay? Should I, what are all the things, should I uh, be married to one woman for all my life? Should every expectation of what, what is right to do, I should do, amen? But I won't. Will I? Not perfectly. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness so I don't have to. I'm saved. I'm not perfect. I'm not able. I'm insufficient. But I trust. And I trust Jesus who is the fulfillment of all righteousness. So keep going there. Uh, Verse 15, then he, John, suffered or allowed Jesus to be baptized. Verse 16, and Jesus, when he was baptized... When he was put under the water, he went up straightway out of the water. How do you get sprinkling out of that? Catholic church. Every time I showed a Catholic priest this verse, he went, I've never seen that before. <laughs> well, maybe that was just how they did it back then. Anyway, he went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So why was Jesus baptized? First of all, to identify him as the Messiah so that the attention would be on him. I, I, listen, that crowd that was there, something was different about this guy getting baptized and John said, this is the Lamb of God, this is the guy I've been talking about. I should be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me, on and on and on. So this, this Messiah is going to prove himself, identify himself as a righteous man who was not above the law, Am I going too fast? Jesus didn't come along saying, I wrote the law, I'm okay. No. He's gonna obey the very law that was written, and he's gonna perfectly keep the law, including this new uh, point of being baptized. Number two, Jesus was baptized to promote him. It says when Jesus, in Luke chapter three, when Jesus began his ministry, he began it with his baptism. So the baptism was to say, Open for business. I've now started my business. There wasn't a business. I'm just using illustration. I'm now in the ministry. And so that baptism was now, all the attention was off of John. Up until that point, everybody went to go hear John. They went to go hear John. Herod loved to go hear John. But from this baptism, it was all follow Jesus. And people were leaving John and following Jesus. It was a change. It was to promote him as the Messiah. Three, so that Jesus could now start his ministry. And fourthly, to fulfill all righteous expectations of a perfect man. And thank God for that. So, why did John want Jesus to baptize him? Was he asking for Jesus to baptize him with water? No, he already said, I baptize with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Ghost. What did John want? He wanted to get saved just like you and I did. He wanted to experience New Testament salvation. He said, I wish you would give me that baptism of the Holy Ghost. I wish I got that. Would you baptize me? And Jesus says, no. Nope. That's for after the cross. When the Holy Spirit comes down, the promise of the Father, the fullness of the Holy Ghost, the, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine John saying, okay, I know we have to do things in order. But he wanted it. You know, the angels look into our lives, and they wish they could experience getting saved. The Bible says that. They look into our salvation, and they wish that they, now they've already seen God. They know everything that's going on, so there's no faith for them, so they can't get saved. But when they see a sinner, by faith, repent and believe the gospel, what do the angels do in heaven when they see somebody get saved? They shout, they rejoice, they get excited, they're like, woo! I wish I could experience that. Don't ever sell your salvation short. Eric and I always sit and go, how come nobody enjoys salvation like we did, man? Like we still do. Because the angels wish they could experience what we do as sinners. So, God reveals his son. Look there in Mark chapter 1 and verse 10. Mark chapter 1 and verse 10, straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. Verse 11, and there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Did you notice? God said, this is my son. Jesus didn't even say, I am the son of God, so clear. Who actually identified Jesus? God the Father. Point that verse to a Muslim. God said, that's my boy, that's my son. So, uh, let's see. Um, So what we got in here is the sky opens above Jesus. The Holy Spirit descends and moves downward like a dove. Now, I've watched doves. I don't fully understand the difference in birds, but I know a a dove is not like a crow. Amen. I mean, you see these black birds around here. You wouldn't want one for a pet, would you? But a dove has a different characteristic about it they're kind of. I'm not. I, again, I'm not really up on birds and things, but doves seem to be a whole lot more gentle, don't they? And so this this experience of of the appearance is the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. So um, it 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 the Bible says it lit upon it, lighted upon Jesus as it landed on Jesus. It's just it's just. I'm sure John was just gobsmacked saying, what am I looking at? Well, it was an anointing of Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit. Because in the Old Testament, what did Moses do when Aaron put on the garments of the high priest? Moses went and he got a, a, it was called a horn of oil. It was a a container of oil. and He poured it all over him. (laughs) When David came into his dad's house and Samuel was there and his other seven brothers there. David said, you called dad? And Samuel stood up and said, this is him. And he went and he grabbed his horn of oil and he poured it all over David. That oil was the anointing that identified this is the king. This is the high priest. Some of the prophets, when one prophet would pass on his mantle, sometimes there would be also... To talk about how they were anointed with the Spirit of God. And guess what Jesus is? He is all prophet, he is all high priest, and he's all king. And this is him being anointed for that threefold ministry that he has still today. Um, So he's visibly approved and anointed and identified as Messiah. And then what's great is God speaks. What a thought! He didn't say, this is my faithful servant. That's what the Muslims will call Jesus. He's a servant. Um, uh, Muhammad was a servant of God. Jesus was not just the servant of God. He was the Son of God. Um, John, also, go to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, in verse 32. And from that moment on, now, only John saw that. Only John heard that. Which kind of bothered me for a little while as a new Christian. I read this and I go, why didn't everybody hear it? God, don't you want everybody to see and to hear what you're saying? And I got this, I, got, I, I settled this. Um, when, when Jesus rose from the dead, 500 people saw him rise from the dead. But Jesus didn't fly around the world and make sure everybody knew. He gave it to some witnesses and he said, you are my witnesses, now go tell the world. Wow. So here, God is one witness, and John's another one. The miracles are one, and according to the Bible, all you need for a truth to be established as fact is two or three witnesses. And it's true. You don't have to have 500 people hearing God from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. You don't need all these things. You're going to have a life of miracles of Jesus, that's one witness. You're going to have John saying, He is the Son of God. Later, you're going to have the disciples. What are they going to hear God say when they're up on the Mount of Transfiguration? Bill, what do the, what does, uh, what do the uh, Peter, James, and John hear when Jesus becomes brighter than the sun? What, there's a voice from heaven. What does the voice say? This is my beloved Son. So they're going to become a witness of it. But it wasn't for everybody to hear. And that's true. So um, uh, John was God's best eyewitness. Look at John one thirty two. Here's John saying, "In John, bare record." We'd say he gave his witness, saying, "I saw. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and I, I tell you, it abode upon him. Didn't just come and then fly away. And I knew him not. I didn't know it was him, but he that sent me." to baptize with water, the same said unto me upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and I bear record that this is the Son of God. He's the Savior, not my water. He's the one who redeems, not me. So God reveals his Son. God does. And let me be real, can I be real plain? If you're ever given the gospel to somebody, you open up the Bible and you show them the gospel, no matter how hard you try, you're not going to get them saved. You can get them to pray a prayer, but it's the Spirit of God inside of them that will convict them and will convince them, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, like the Ethiopian eunuch. Like, like, what did Jesus say when, Peter, when, when Jesus said to Peter, Peter, who do you say I am? And she, Peter, right up, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, nobody told you that. My Father told you that. So when you're giving the gospel out, pray and say, Lord, lead me to somebody you're already working on. Lord, help people. Help me. Pry open their eyes so they hear your words, so that, so that you get through. So God reveals his son, you've got to pray for that, and we need God. We need to pray that God moves here in Ireland. Clyde was telling me this morning, and I'm going to stop with this. Clyde was telling me this morning, he says, it's a funny thing. Uh, several his uh, um, uh, He just had a loss in his family, and uh, he's saying, you know, it really grieved me, but I'm encouraged because several people up in the north, he was talking about some people he knows up in Northern Ireland, who've got family, who are unsaved, who've been so Anti God. He says, out of all those people, out of the years have been saved. You, know, you pray and nothing's going to happen, but all of a sudden something's happening. He says, He's got some friends in the States and their family members have gotten saved that he never thought we'd get saved. He says, I got encouraged. And I went, Amen. You know, sometimes things just work in a wave. And so let's pray that God works in our day. And he shows himself, shows Jesus to be the Son of God. All right, I'm going to quit there because we're going to look at the next week. I'll talk to you about the proof of the doctrine of the Trinity. And uh, we won't take time for that. All right, let me give you some questions. Come back here. All right, what was the effect of John's preaching on Israel? Anybody remember? What what, What effect did he have on Israel? He got men especially to repent. He attracted people away from their jobs, away from entertainment, to come here preaching. Secondly, describe what was John the Baptist like? hmm? A nice guy. Would you say that? No, you wouldn't take him home for dinner. Okay. Describe him for me. What are some characteristics of him? What was his diet like? Locusts and wild honey, all right? Wild honey means he'd go up to the tree where the bees were, he'd stick a stick in it, wrap it up in the honey, and then bring it down, and just eat it raw like that. I mean, he's just a rough guy. What did he wear? Camel's hair. I mean, that blows my mind. Uh, How did he sleep at night, man? Itchy? I don't know. Number three, who was the most important person that that John baptized? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Freudian slip, not really. Um, okay, so out of all of those people, the most important was Jesus. Number four, why did John baptize him? Somebody tell me. Well, we heard the phrase, to fulfill... All righteousness, so that those who believe on him don't have to do the righteousness. I should be baptized. I should do all the things that the Bible says are good and right and holy to do. But he did them all so that I don't have to. And if I fail, it's okay. Amen. Fifthly, why did John want Jesus to baptize him? And he wasn't asking to be baptized in water. Because Jesus never baptized in water. Why did he want John to bap- why did John want Jesus to baptize him? Come on. Hmm? Well, he wanted Jesus to give him the Holy Ghost. He wanted to be baptized in the Holy Ghost just like everybody like we are. He wanted to experience Christianity. He's still under the law. John is still under every requirement of the Old Testament law and he says, I just, I want to experience grace. I want to know what it feels like to get saved. Remember, you guys heard um, um, Weston's brief testimony this morning? And there he was, giving the, just the truth about something happened when I got saved. And John the Baptist wanted to have that. Lastly, who proved that Jesus was God's son? God did. Amen. Jesus said, the miracles I do are His. The words that I speak are His. It's God. And He even said to the Pharisees, He said, you don't have to believe my witness, believe His who sent me. So, all right. What is this event a clear proof of? It's what I'll talk about next week. The Trinity. How, who did we see? Let me just jump ahead. We see Jesus getting baptized physically. He's the Son of God we see in the, in the event, we see the Holy Ghost appearing and descending as a, that's the second person of the Trinity. And where do we find the third person? From heaven speaking, this is my beloved Son. Why people, there are cults out there, a million of them, and half of them don't believe in the Trinity. Oh, that's a Catholic doctrine. No, it's not, it's a Bible doctrine. Right there, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Trinity. All right? Okay, any questions? I'm tired. But it's good. Wouldn't it have been neat to watch these two distant cousins and John just going crazy, going, that's him, that's him. He never said, that's my cousin, my second cousin. He said, that's the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Son of God. Well, let me be real plain with you. That's what you do when you give the gospel. You should be like John saying, this is him. This is the one you've been waiting for. This is the Messiah who died for you. Be just like John. And you'll be a better soul winner, I believe. Let's go to 164 in our hymn.